Hello everyone, welcome back to Not Always Polite. This is a super special episode featuring Alex and Christy from Weird Distractions Podcast. I just wanted to do a little intro before we get started. Um, I'm so excited for you guys to hear this. This was so much fun to record and I definitely think you can be expecting more little crossover episodes featuring these two ladies. Um, But yeah, I just wanted to pop in, say hey, Please, please, please go follow Alex and Christy on all their social media that I have linked in the show notes. Um, I'll have it linked on my Instagram as well. But yeah, okay, please listen to this episode. I'm so excited. Um, But yeah, that's enough about me. Let's get on into the episode. Do you often find that you need a distraction from everyday life? Do you like true crime, conspiracy theories, paranormal stories, and other weird, dark tales? Well, tune in and turn up Weird Distractions Podcast, where we, your hosts, Christy and Alex, bring you a weird distraction to help you get through the work week. Every Sunday morning, you can find our show on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Good Pods, and more. So grab a snack, get comfy, and make sure to lock those doors. Need a distraction? We got you. listening to Weird Distractions Podcast, a podcast where we chat true crime, conspiracy theories, paranormal stories, and to be honest, just a really mixed bag of weird shit. I'm Alex. And Christy. And this week we are joined by our extra special guest, Celine from Not Always Polite. Welcome, Celine. Hello, everyone. This is so exciting. Oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. <laughs> don't be, um, don't be. Could you tell our fine weirdos where, well, kind of a little bit about your show and about the podcast and all that fun stuff. Okay, so I guess I will mention that I actually know Alex and Christy in real life. We go way back to the cringy high school days, so way that's back. super exciting. <laughs> way back. I actually lived with Christy's brother for a couple of years, which is super random, little fun fact. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I lived with Brandon for like, oh, I don't know if he wants his name on here, sorry. Or whatever, I, Brandon. Keep on. He doesn't care. A later episode, anyways. <laughs> oh, okay. Perfect. Um, I lived with him probably for like two years. Yeah. Sure. Weird. Well, um. Okay. Oh, sorry. sorry. I was gonna say, Celine, you and I used to play soccer together too in high school. So like, go try. And the curling team. And the curl. Oh my gosh, that's a, such a distant, repressed memory that's now blossoming. Yeah. Sorry I about that. that. It's okay. I'll, I'll I'll work through it later. Anyways, tell these people about your show, Not Always Polite. So, Not Always Polite is a little bit newer than my weird distraction gals here. Um, I'm on episode 10. I guess by the time this comes out, it'll be a little bit more. But uh, I do true crime, lesser known cases from... I'm starting out with the London surrounding area, but I'm sure eventually I'll branch out and do um, like other places in Canada. But... 
yeah, I mostly do missing persons, um, murders, that kind of fun, weird, creepy stuff. All the good stuff. And to be honest, I I think I had mentioned to my dad that we were doing this crossover episode and I told him the podcast name. He's like, that is genius. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's like, that's so cool. Like, that's really smart. And <laughs> This, that, and the other. And I was like, thanks, Dad. You didn't say that when we started the podcast. So that's fucking cool. <laughs> no love here, John. Thanks. No love here. It's fine. But I greatly that. appreciate. I tried to be punny, and I feel like I always have to explain it to people. So I don't, didn't know if it was actually punny or not, but I'm glad he appreciates. No, definitely killed it. And I guess while we kind of talk a little bit more about... Um, just more about the show and everything like that at the end of the episode, if you don't mind kind of giving our listeners kind of your social media plugs where they can listen, where they can find you that way. Once you're done listening to us blabble on, you can check out not always polite. I can do that. No problem. Excellent. So I guess we might as well kick off the distraction part of we're distractions and kind of talk about what we need a distraction from. So Christy, do you want to start off? on the distraction train? Um, I'm gonna stick with my usual is work because I have to go back to work this week. When this past week, I was off like every day. So I'm really sad about it. Mm, (laughs) Especially it's coming closer to like the actual Christmas holidays. And I'm like, I don't want to be here. (laughs) No, that's fair. Is it, would you say it's really busy at work right now? Like inching up to Christmas? Actually, surprisingly, like right now, it's not bad. Like booked patient wise, it's okay. It's average numbers. But I find that Emerge is like starting to get like people are like fearing COVID again because it's like ramping up in our area. So like no one's coming in for stupid stuff, which is okay with me. Nice. nice. I don't want you to come in with your like hangnail toe, whatever. That's great. <laughs> I, I was going to say gross, but like I've also had hangnails. So like I probably did the same thing. <laughs> It's not a merge really though. <laughs> no, it's, it's really not a merge. Celine, what about you? What do you need a distraction from? Oh, crap. I was going to swear. Do you guys swear on this podcast? Yeah, you do, right? Oh, fuck yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I thought so, but I like <laughs> forgot. I'm not a fake fan. I swear. Oh my God. Okay. So <laughs> I need a distraction from so much shit. I feel like my life is just a disaster all the time. So I'm going to, but I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to say I need a distraction from Christmas shopping. I have been spending so much money on that stupid Amazon, Jeff Bezos. I'm paying his salary single-handedly. So I'm going to say I need a distraction from Christmas shopping because it's taking over my life. I feel you on that one. I feel, well, and it's hard to, because this year more than ever, we really need to be buying from small businesses, but I've been sick lately, so I haven't really been able to go shopping. And I'm finding that I'm just mindlessly buying shit off Amazon and being like, oh, yeah, that's good. Oh, yeah, that's good. And I'm not thinking about it. Same. A hundred percent same. For sure. I don't know what it is. I'm so guilty about it. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Because you you want to support the people in your community and what have you. But in the same sense, it's like, oh, it's so convenient with the Amazon app so bad no and my visa hates me right now for it oh I fucking feel you I get paid this week and it's going directly to my visa yeah the balance is high (laughs) higher than my morality right now (laughs) anyways um I'm gonna jump on both of your distractions and say kind of same 
I still have a little bit of Christmas shopping left to do, and it's going to be expensive probably more than likely because I have to buy like Tanner's big gift, so to speak. And then the other half is I am taking more and more time off work, which is nice, but it's trying to make sure my targets are still on point for the month. That's kind of screwing me up. So every time like a client cancels, I'm like, are you sure? Like, you don't want to talk to me for, like, five minutes. Like, just five, just so I can document it. Like, please, for the love of God. So it's a little bit of both. A little bit of work, a little bit of Amazon, a little bit of supporting Jeff Bezos when I probably shouldn't be. Classic. Classic, classic. So, Celine, we agreed that we were going to do Paranormal for this episode. And I'm... Well, we're both dying to hear what story you're So do you want to kind of segue into your spooky spot? Yes. Okay. So I just have to say that this paranormal stuff, so much harder to research than like a missing person because missing person oh, yeah. is this is this and that's that. That's the end. These oh, yeah. spooky things, there's very little documented information, obviously, because it's like, like not a real... I don't want to say not a real thing, but it's not a tangible thing most of the time. I feel like some people might just make it up sometimes. They're like, "Mm, okay. Well, exactly. Yeah. And everyone has their own experiences, right? Like you can look at one paranormal location and 10 different people have different experiences in one night. And then the next night, 10 other people will have different experiences. So there's no consistency. For sure. That's definitely one thing that I noticed. So, um, I don't know if I mentioned this. I'm in London, Ontario right now. So I wanted to do something local to kind of tie it in with what I've been doing on my um, channel. Do people say that on podcasts? Anyways. You know what? It's a Um, thing. It's a thing? Okay, great. (laughs) So I am doing the haunting of the London's uh, Grand Opera House. So the Grand Theater. It has a bunch of different names. It's changed over the years. But this is also kind of sort of the disappearance of uh Ambrose Small so oh a little true crime a little paranormal I'm here yeah I'm so excited all right should I should I start are we ready to rumble let's rumble okay just let's distract from Jeff Bezos (laughs) okay so Ambrose Joseph Small was born on the 11th of January 1866 in Brantford Ontario Canada his parents are Daniel Small and Ellen Brazzi. Uh, side note, I'm going to pronounce everything wrong. So sorry, everyone in advance. We do it all the time. It's totally I'm fine. so bad with names. It's fine. So bad. Oh, my God. Um, okay. So and this um, is like super old, 1800s. So um, about uh, Ambrose's Small's father, I'll start with him. He is the he was born in 1875 and he's the son of an Irish Catholic immigrant. Um, they moved the family to Toronto and he his parents ran a hotel slash saloon. Very cool that it's Ooh. called a saloon. Um, it says that his father may have attended St. Michael's College um, and De La Salle Institute, both in Toronto, but that's not confirmed. Um, By some accounts, his father instilled in him a tremendously strong work ethic, it's noted. So um, as most immigrants are very hardworking, um, they kind of pass that down to Mr. Ambrose here. Hmm. So in 1880, Daniel, the dad here, 
became the owner of the Grand Hotel, which another guy, he was a brewer, so like owned a brewery. Um, this name, Ignatius Corman. He also had an interest in said Grand Hotel, but Daniel beat him to purchasing it. So he became the owner. Um, so in 1891, three years after um, his wife, Ellen, she passed away. Daniel actually ended up marrying this Ignatius Corman's daughter, Josephine. Oof. And <laughs> I read that he was like 25 years older than her. And he decided what? to, yeah. Ooh, yeah. I mean, Super look, gross. his dad already doesn't like him because he bought his company. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. then he was like, mm, I'm also going to marry your daughter. Sorry. Uh, sorry, not sorry. He's just yeah. not wanting to really make this guy happy. And not only that, but I know age is just a number. 25 years is a a lot of numbers there's a lot of numbers (laughs) yeah and I didn't I couldn't find out how old she was but I'm assuming she wasn't very old because no very old so I again it was the 1800s so like a different time but still like super nasty yeah I'm not here for it but I mean so she was like 12 probably (laughs) probably 12 yeah (laughs) yeah super creepy So um, it says that Ambrose was the most successful Canadian theatrical entrepreneur of the first half of the century. So she was probably Mm -hmm. like, yo, this dude got money, honey. I mean, I don't think. Blame her. No, I mean, sugar daddy. Get it, sis. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like the dad did not approve of this. No, the dad was probably like, I don't give a shit if he's making dollar he is older than you he's a happening yeah he's a slithery snake he's buying all the shit i want just no yeah Um, but it does get weirder so within four decades ambrose rose from the position of an usher to the owner of a successful chain of theaters across ontario um it says the jewel of his empire was london's grand opera house now known as the grand theater which is where he is said to have haunted so, Mr. Ambrose here, he married a woman named Teresa Corman. And so Teresa and his mother's wife, or his mother's wife, his father's wife, his stepmother, Josephine, they're sisters. What? Yeah, what? Uh, Ignatius what? had two daughters. Mr. Daniel married one of them, and his son Ambrose married the other one. Wow. So Oh, his okay. wife and his stepmother are sisters. That is bringing it full circle, Absolutely. full family circle. I mean, on one hand, you'll never have to worry about not knowing your in-laws because, like, you're fucking with your in-laws. Keep it in the family, they say. Keep, keep it in the family. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, you don't keep it in the family ever. <laughs> I always, um, yeah. yeah. I always hate when people are like, you know, back in the day when royals used to keep it in the family to keep the bloodline clean. It's like, well, I don't think that's how, like, anatomy works, though. No, not even a little bit. But they didn't have any kids, these two here. Oh. And they also weren't blood-related, but they didn't have any children. So they yeah. kind of nipped that one in the bud, thankfully. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, So it is noted that uh, Ambrose Small here wasn't the nicest guy around. He did what he had to do to get ahead, even if that meant stepping on some toes. One New York producer branded him as, quote, a damned liar and a damned thief. 
while Small's wife claimed her husband wouldn't have given away 10 cents unless he was getting 20 cents back. I mean, so he's a, I would like to have that mentality. Like, oh, I'd, for sure. Right? Or like at least live by that mentality instead of thinking, like, yeah, I'm going to set this boundary. I'm not going to work harder than what I'm getting paid for, as opposed to, you know, working harder than what you're getting paid for. Agreed. I agree. To I mean, work less, I get paid more. <laughs> I feel like I get stepped on a lot. So I feel like I could adapt a little bit of this, but it sounds like he was kind of a piece of shit. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So honestly, he wasn't really known for that much other than owning a theater until he disappeared. So basically, he sold his theatrical circuit for, so this was at that time in the 1800s. He sold it for, million dollars which is insane what shit that's a lot of money back then well they did there was one of them so but i yeah 1.7 million dollars in 1800s money which is crazy that's like Um, billions now right i I don't yeah i probably should have looked that up but yeah insane we're like winning the lot of max right now and you're winning like 60 million dollars right so he sold the circuits and then I don't know the timeline of this, but it says the then 53-year-old businessman stepped onto Young Street in Toronto and disappeared. He vanished, essentially. Ooh, that's that's really eerie. He gone. Yeah. He's gone. Yeah. He gone. <laughs> he just said, peace. I got my yeah, money. He did under there. <laughs> got it on Young. Toodaloo, motherfuckers. On December 1st, 1919, Ambrose Small sold all of his theaters, profiting in $1.7 million. And the following day, he met with a lawyer. Uh, And then at 5.30 p.m., the lawyer was the last person to see Ambrose Small. The night he disappeared from his office, no one who saw nothing, no one saw anything. Like, he just disappeared, which I don't understand. I, I feel like that's the weird, that's the hardest part with missing persons cases. And that's why, like, I, I really respect your podcast because you do it and you say, you, you, how do I put it? You explain missing persons in such a way that is really, really well done, but it's still, it still leaves that eerie <laughs> sense. Yeah. It still leaves that like eerie sense to it. And it's just, ugh, I, 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 we, I don't think we've really covered a missing persons on our show. Like, we did Boy in the Box, which that one still fucks me up to this day. Of just yeah, but not most... a lot of, yeah. Oh, no, well, Yuba County 5, which that fucks oh, me yeah, up, too. Oh, yeah, But it's just, how, how do people just vanish? I, I don't... so crazy. Don't like it. Essentially, no one saw him Mm-mm. as they saw him leave the building, and no one really saw him, like, go into the streets, but... That's kind of how they describe it as he stepped into the street and was just kind of like never seen again. So um, essentially there was no motive for him to disappear. Like he didn't take his money. The money was still in his possession. I don't know if it was in a bank. I don't know how that worked at that time, but the money was all accounted for. There was no ransom. No, there was no evidence of a kidnapping. Like he just disappeared. That's so fucking weird. Weird. Yeah, it's. It's Do you so take your money with you if, like, something did maybe happen? But, like, it's just weird that he's just gone, and that's it. Exactly. And he didn't, like, it's not like he got robbed. Like, the money was there. It, it really doesn't make sense. No. So, 
Ambrose was kind of known for being like a womanizer. And this is so weird. Like his absence wasn't reported or noted to the police for weeks because his wife what? was like, his wife was like, ah, this guy kind of, you know, comes and goes. It's fine. Mm. He'll come back. And right. he just never did. It's so weird. So um, it says that Small's lengthy absence was noted by the police um, after like a few weeks. It didn't give an exact timeline. But um, when his wife was kind of like, oh, he probably would have been home by now from his little fling or whatever. She offered a $50,000 reward for information, but the reward has never been claimed. They're, they've literally have no idea where he went. Wow. It's a chunk, good chunk of change to offer for an off, like for a roar too. Well, yeah. And again, 1800 times, like, yeah, the inflammate inflation on that, if it's still sitting there would, I mean, obviously like I'm going to speculate wildly that he's obviously passed at this point, unless he's, you know, there's something going on. He's got that Benjamin Button shit, <laughs> you know, youthful, ton, I don't even know, youthful fountain serum going on. But yeah. if that money is still available now, holy crap, that is a huge fortune. Absolutely. So they did have an investigation, obviously, because he was a wealthy man. They're not just going to, like, let him go. Um, the investigation for his body never resulted in anything being found. Um, years later, a secondhand story emerged that a local fruit vendor had witnessed a man stuffing something down the Grand Theater's coal chute. The story was particularly, it was backed up by a stagehand who claimed that they had smelled some bad fumes coming out of the chimney that evening, the night after he disappeared, but um, the, apparently the police went through the coal chute, like, debris and didn't find anything mm-hmm. so I don't know if and I feel like if he had only been missing for one day his body wouldn't have decomposed that much to think no. yet no and first of all I hate to be that cop that had to go through the cops that had to go through the cold shoot that just sounds awful yeah second of all a dead body has a very distinct smell like mm-hmm. if it was just like oh it just reeks of like I don't know fruits and veggies then like rotten fruits and veggies then yeah for sure you can distinct that but I mean, not that I've ever smelled a dead corpse before. I'm not outing myself here. But I feel like it'd be something that you've never smelled, that you've either never smelled before and it's so strange that you're like, oh shit, or it's something that you have unfortunately smelled before and you're like, dead body. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and this was like just like, he, oh, this was yeah. just some random stage hand too. Like it was never backed up by any legitimate information. And I feel like if you put a body down, like, I, I feel, I would hope you would notice that, like, if you put something down there, you'd see it's a body. If that's what you think it's going to be. Well, yeah, yeah. Or even, like, depending on, obviously, how, if and how he was murdered, like, blood or something. Like, you, you'd see something. Yeah. So, nothing ever came of that. They didn't find anything. There was no evidence to back up the claims of the stagehand. He could have maybe just wanted the reward, too. There was a massive reward out there, so... That could explain that. Fair. Also fair. I, I get it. The stagehand was like, this is my upper hand. Like, this is how I'm going to be wealthy and rich and get that Jeff Bezos money. Although Jeff Bezos wasn't around back then. To make bank. <laughs> he, he just wants to make bank, which is fair. 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 Don't blame him at all. Um, so five years have passed. Nothing. No one's seen him or heard from Ambrose. Um, so he was legally declared dead at that time. 
Um, but this is not the last time Londoners would hear about Mr. Ambrose Small. So a little background on the Grand Theatre. Um, the Grand Theatre is one of three known Canadian theatres to be haunted. I'm sure there's more, but this is like a famous one. Right. Um, by the late 1940s, part of its heritage included the legend that Small's spirit walked the stage after every opening night. Here's the spooky part. This is fun. Ooh. I was <laughs> say that's spooky. Yeah. yeah. Very creepy. Um, Toronto-born comedian Beatrice Lilly supposedly saw the ghost beckon her during a May 1927 performance. I'm assuming she means, like, wave at her, like, give her a little something. He was, something. Just, he was just standing there, and he's like, I beckon you. I beckon you. Hey. hey, Beatrice, what up, bitch? <laughs> hey, what you doing, Beatrice? Hey, girl. Hey, girl. She says beckon, but again, 1927, beckon could mean, like, a little cat call. I don't know. He was beckon. a womanizer, so. Ah, fair. He, ew, he probably was. Probably. Dirty. Dirty, dirty person. Dirty dog. Um, London historian Orlo Miller claimed that Beatrice moved towards the specter, which I don't know what a specter is. I'm assuming it has something to do with the stage. Not sure. But a prop chandelier came crashing down onto the stage and narrowly missed her during her performance. Shit. Crazy. Um, again, none of this is like backed up by any proof. Um, but whether this is true or not, this incident potentially could prove Small's ghost with a familiar, popular. Um, oh, what am I saying? I'm like reading off my script and I'm like lost. Whether this is true or not, the incident proves Small's ghost was familiar with the then popular Lon Chaney film, The Phantom of the Opera, in which something oh. similar happened with the, the chandelier crashing yeah, down. Yeah, right. So that that makes me believe this isn't true because someone could have just made that up, saw The Phantom of the Opera and been like, oh, that's a good story. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's Bastille, even, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, there's a couple like movies and plays that are like that too, where they're like cursed that if you what play is it where if you like if you're you do the play something bad's gonna happen or the main character dies or it's like a Shakespeare play oh Macbeth or something yeah it's like what you're talking about yeah it's like but I've seen Macbeth I was like, yeah. I don't fucking know I remember English at all <laughs> <laughs> that sounds familiar yeah but it's it's stuff like that where it's like okay maybe bad things happen but also bad things happen it's it's life for sure so this Lon Miller guy, he worked at the theater and he was really big on this whole haunting story. So in July of 1956, this Miller guy was at it again. He claimed that an actor named Charmaine King saw a man standing at the foot of a stairway to her dressing room. When shown a photograph of Small, she identified him as the stranger that she saw. Years later, the King, Charmaine King, denied the story, but commented on the curious ability of the theater's floor tower to, quote, sing on the night of a good performance. So basically, this guy's like, oh, yeah, she said that, she said that, and then she, like, recanted it. So I don't know why he's so obsessed with the ghost, but he seems to be the the backing of all of these claims he, at this he- point. Sounds like he really wants this to happen. Like, he really... It's forcing it. Yeah. yeah. And he, it's it happens, though, right? Like, there's so many 
haunted locations out there that you just want it to be true because that means that maybe there's something more afterlife you know what I mean like there is Mm -hmm. that afterlife that people sometimes feed into it so much so that the story kind of doesn't always align and you're kind of fishing for for shit to happen yeah he's like I want to believe in this so bad so he's at it again 1960 there was they were rehearsing for um, it was called Gore Vidal's visit to a small planet and the rehearsal was stopped cold when the theater suddenly flipped upside down to accommodate the posterior of an invisible audience member he said so I don't these are the words of Mr. Orlo Miller. I was like, what says, flipped upside down? I know. I'm like, I'm thinking, did they, did they flip the bill? What happened? So I'm assuming, I think he, I'm assuming he means more so like the vibe of the uh, room flipped upside yes, down. Okay. And okay. it was because of this invisible audience member. I don't think he said, is meaning the building actually did because that would be insane. That'd be so much work for one ghost. Like, I'm sorry. Draw the fucking line. Like, flipping buildings and flipping chairs and what have you. Just for one spirit. One? Yeah. No, thank you. That's it's a good lot. Hauntings, though. Good hauntings. And, again, nobody is backing up his claim. Of course. But he says a few weeks later, then, um, a seat um, was... You know how at the movie theaters, you, like, put down the seat to sit on it, and then it, like brings back up when you get up yeah Mm -hmm. apparently um in the front row it was like every other seat was going down and then going back up um so this one is actually backed up it says after a few minutes the seat went back to its original position cast member don flexter says quote now you can't tell me the seat just fell down and you can't tell me that it fell back up again so this is probably the most legit haunting fair. that I am hearing of so far. Fair. That sounds agreed. enough and fair. Yeah, that's, and that's it wasn't just creepy. this random guy being like, yes, this happened. There was actually somebody that like agreed with him. Um, so the most compelling argument for a spiritual presence occurred on the in the summer of 1957. A teenage guy named Jay Campbell and a friend noticed a figure climbing a ladder up off the stage. Quote, it really didn't look like a person, but from the waist up, it had the form of a person, recalled oh. Campbell. Oh, so like that's a, super creepy. Like a torso just climbing up on its own? Yeah, so it doesn't sound like it had, like, human legs, but it, it had a human body. I'm not sure. It sounds yeah. gross, whatever it is. I, I yeah. Right? Oh, no, I, 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 I'm going to hit the button and say, do not, not here for it. That. Not here for it. Don't <laughs> fuck with that. And this Campbell guy, Jay Campbell, is now a meteorologist at a local television station. And he is still, to this day, saying, yes, I saw this. He says, quote, it had an aura about it. Scary. An well, aura, then. An aura of fuck no <laughs> Like, I a dark aura. <laughs> a do- a yeah. very dark aura. No, thank you. Definitely. So, in the article I read, it says it's possible that Campbell and his friends imagined it all, but it's unlikely they could have shared the same hallucination. Which I totally agree. Unless there's like something in the air and they're both seeing the same thing, like that's kind of weird, right? Yeah. I mean, I 
it's hard when you when two people share the same perception or even more than two people share the same perception of something happening it's like how do you discredit that how do you unless afterwards they're like okay so this is the story we're going to tell blah blah blah. and it's like but why like why would you and it's not like they got anything out of it like I don't know I I don't know I believe it I think it's kind of weird uh-huh right on board very interesting so by the summer of uh, 1970, the Grand Theater had clocked enough ghostly visitations to prompt two seances on the stage during the summers of 1975 and 1976. Wow. Yeah. So this is getting like legit. People are believing this stuff for real. We love a seance. I would be so scared to do a seance. Like I would not fuck with that. I'm no, that's sounds when, scary. Have you guys done that? Oh my god! No, 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 we haven't no. done one, but no. When we, we love the story of it. Yeah, when we were booking stuff for our New Orleans trip, there was this one, one thing that I saw like a, a couple years ago. It was on like Creepy Canada or some kind of like ha- most haunted place. No, oh, not Creepy Canada. Oh my gosh, <laughs> most haunted places on earth. And apparently, at one point, there was this. I don't know medium who is offering to do like guided seances in new orleans and like on a reported haunted building we didn't obviously do that because you know we wanted to come home not possessed but shit like that it's like oh you want to do it but then you you get you get more into it and you're like you know what maybe not maybe not right now maybe i want them to follow me home (laughs) right that'd be so scary getting like something attached to you or something oh my god Mm -hmm. yeah no no thank you so the medium in charge of these seances, I'm assuming, by the way, that the article was written that it was the same medium that did both seances. Um, he never was able to contact Ambrose Small, but he was told the answer to the millionaire's disappearance would be found in the theater's west wall. Um, hate that. I hate that a lot. I don't like that because you know what that means. There's a body somewhere. There's a body right? in the wall. So scary. So it says, unfortunately, this lead wasn't pursued during the Grand 1977 renovations. What? What? They did renovations and they didn't, like, look into it? I would 100% that be the first place I'd go and open the wall. Exactly. If, if, oh my gosh, my mind is blowing up. This west wall was the only place in the whole, the whole shebang that was not excavated. It was the only wall Stop. left under. Oh, my God. Well, you know what that means. Rookies is what it is. <laughs> A, rookies. B, when Miss Rona is gone and we're safely allowed to attend public spaces. You're going to go break go- a wall? We're going <laughs> to. I feel like Nick Cage about to say, like, we're going to go steal the, <laughs> the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> There's a million bajillion dollars in there. I know. Well, well, and that's the thing. Like, I just want to go and check it out, maybe knock on some walls, see if anything's hollow. And if my hammer that I secretly brought in slips and hits the wall and a dead body comes out, then you know what? So be it. Live, laugh, learn. God's will. God's, God's plan. Will. Or maybe, maybe they avoid it because someone secretly already opened the wall and found what was inside and then they don't want anybody else to go into it. And find it empty. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. Why do you think they didn't do any more seances after that? Because you found it. Oh my gosh, I think we just solved that mystery. Craft a king. I'm so smart. It's fine. (laughs) 
Wow. <laughs> well, it's Christy. Wow. Yeah. Selena and I are here like, yeah, we're going to go knock down this wall. And Christy's like, no, no, it's already been taken care of. Trust me. You know <laughs> no way you have. <laughs> so a lot of the Grand Theater's regular regulars aren't convinced that it was haunted. They don't think that anything's been going on there. Um, a retired theater manager named Bill Trudell who worked many late nights in the Grand Theater in the early 1940s, says he was in the ideal position to see a ghost, but he didn't hear so much as a chain rattle. He's quoted to say, where he was at the time, I don't know, but the ghost of Ambrose Small is a lot of malarkey. So he thinks it's complete bullshit, which is fair. He heard nothing. So, yeah, fair. I agree. I agree. Um, During its centennial celebrations in 2001, the Grand Theater officially recognized Small's contribution to its legacy and lore by hanging his portrait on the second floor poster lounge, which I don't think is, I feel like that's inviting him. If he wasn't there before, he is now. Well, yeah, anytime you bring in any kind of like artifact or uh, like anything that kind of nods to someone or something, you're kind of saying like, hey, I'm going to leave the door a little bit open. Don't come in. Like, come on. So they're off from his medium of him to come in through. Sure. Um, Despite recent efforts by researchers, the ghost of the Grand Theater has been largely absent for the past 25 years. But the Avon Theater in Stratford now claims to be the hotspot of Small's natural, supernatural wanderings. So he's just like theater hopping, which he's jumping towns. Like what? Yeah, I don't know why the Avon Theater thinks that he's haunting there. It didn't say anywhere that he owned that theater. I don't know of any connection between him and the Avon Theater in Stratford. But supposedly, if you want to go and ghost hunt for him, you should be going to Stratford. Not like. I just love the fact that it's like out of all places, Stratford. I know people that listen to our shows outside of Canada or outside of Ontario won't really know Stratford and London right. like each other but it's just funny that Stratford being Stratford the little small town that's like the pimple of London is just like Ambrose is here now he's haunting us come and see like come on come on oh for everyone that doesn't know Justin Bieber is from Stratford fun fact once again the pimple of London Ontario he is from the pimple of London but yeah so Apparently he's over there now, and he hasn't been haunting London for like 25 years. So, yeah, that's the story of Ambrose Small. We didn't that, know what happened to him, but that is discovered. wild, wild as shit. I'm like, oof, I'm spooked, I'm distracted, but I'm yeah. intrigued. I I just really want to knock down that west wall. I just really want to knock down that west wall really badly. And if we find money, Christy, you're not getting any of it because you said that there wasn't any there. So, ha. Huh. Yeah, you non-believer. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. So, I guess it's my turn to tell us the stale, stale. <laughs> spooky tale. I'm slipping over my words. I apologize in advance. So, I, I decided to go out of Ontario because that's just where I wanted to go. I was like, you know what? I want to go on another trip. And we did cover, um, oh gosh, what was the hotel's name? It's slipping my mind, Christy. What was the hotel we covered in British Columbia? Don't look at me like that. You remember it, I swear. Then I don't. 
You know what? It'll come to me eventually, a.k.a. I'm going to try and look on my phone while I <laughs> read my notes. But That's not the uh, one with the, with the old guy that with the fancy purple suit? No, that was Crescent Hotel. Yeah, okay. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Um, but we're essentially we're going back to BC. Uh, we are talking about the Tranquil Sanatorium near Kamloops, British Columbia. So this place has been reported as one of the most haunted locations in the province. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also it's kind of in the same tier as the Empress Hotel, which was the other British Columbia place we covered, because I did just look up the episode, because I was like, I'm not letting this one slide. Um, But essentially, it's located about, I would say, maybe less than 40 minutes away from Kamloops. So if you're from Kamloops, hi, hi, that's cool. I don't really know much about the area. So Uh, (laughs) before um, Europeans bombarded this area, the First Nations people, I think the Shuwap or the Suwetmuch, were known to work the land for fishing and hunting in and around the Tranquil Lake, which is now Kamloops. And I apologize if I butchered both of those tribe names. I jolly phonics both of them. But knowing me, I probably still butchered it. Because <laughs> I tried. I, tried. I, I put my effort in a little bit, hopefully. So knowing the history and speculating wildly, the land was probably taken away from both the shoe swap, shoe swap and um, the Sowetmuch tribes by the Europeans, a.k.a. us white folks. Because we're good at taking shit and being assholes about things. Yay. We, we rude. We're kind of we're ignorant. Not us, you know, ancestors. Um, so as immigration numbers started increasing, so did the chances of someone getting tuberculosis. Hey. <laughs> and you die. <laughs> and you die. Uh, in 1867, tuberculosis would become the leading cause of death for people in Canada according to the Canadian Public Health Association. So essentially, TB's popping off around this time and also popping off was a small community which we referred to as Tranquil and was built around where the First Nations were known to reside and where us white folks took over. Sometime in the 19, or sorry, in the 1890s, two families, the Fortunes and the Coonies, joined forces and began taking in sick individuals, allowing those with TB to stay to try and mend. The people would stay in small cabins or tents on the properties, which that's just, that's just really nice. I mean, I don't, I'm sure there's people out there that still do things like this, but you don't really hear about it that much, especially in 2020 when everything is trash. So, no. And were these like white families that were doing this or were these native families that were I'm doing this? I'm going to speculate wildly that they were white families probably allowing white people in, but I'm also mm. going to be, like, jaded because it's 2020, and I know our, our history with First Nations and what have you is just not great, so. I was thinking that's that's awfully nice of those white families to let those Native people stay with them, but you're probably right. It probably was white people because we rude, like you said. <laughs> yeah, and if, hey, if anyone's listening from this area that has more history, let me know. I didn't want to take a huge deep dive into it just because I want to focus, obviously, on the paranormal side of the Tranquil Sanatorium, but I'm we're both willing to be educated. So, Well, we're all willing to be educated, so hit us up, send us an email. But back to the story. Side so, note, 
Oh. Tranquil Sanatorium. That's the most ironic name I've ever heard in my life. Like, right? Sanatorium. Sanatorium is not tranquil. No. I highly doubt it. It was tranquil. But anyways, carry on. Oh, we will get to it. Oh, we will go to a sanatorium to get your like eyes like jabbed out. <laughs> pretty much. Well, yeah, pretty much. I was like, mm, well, well, it started essentially um, helping people with TB. But like I said, get to it. So. The people, um, as I said, would stay in small cabins or tents on the properties. I don't know if these families were the ones who originally took the land in the first place from the First Nations. Like I said, if anyone knows, let us know. Uh, But we're going to jump to 1904 when the land was purchased from the Fortunes for $58,000 by the BC Society uh, for prevention and treatment of consumption and other forms of tuberculosis, which that is a fucking name. Like that is an organization name that, wow, just a lot, a lot of words put together. It's long. It's long. So the purchase included 600 acres and some original buildings. They also took over a lease for an additional 2,000 acres from the Dominican Dominion government. Um, I'm assuming sometime in that year as well. And then in 1921, the BC government took over operations from the BC Society Against TB, as some felt that it was kind of the province's responsibility to handle the TB crisis, not just this kind of non-for-profit organization. I don't know if they're non-for-profit, but speculating wildly again. So... Then in 1922, they bought the neighboring lot owned by the Coonies. This included an additional 700 acres. So this place was massive. Like this place was sprawling. Uh, The TB hospital opened up its doors November 28, 1907, originally called the King Edward Memorial Sanatorium. However, later on, it would be referred to and called the Tranquil Sanatorium due to the small little town that would kind of be created around it. Patients were being held in the original building on the property. However, over time, the need for more space and for more need for more space for more patients grew exponentially, meaning renovations were needed sooner than later. Many of the staff would live on site where they, staff and patients, would maintain a fully functioning farm to grow food and raise animals such as cattle, pork, and they'd also had their own like bee nests, I guess, or like their bee I don't know what it's called, but they they made their own honey, too, which is kind of cool. Living off the land. A hundred and ten percent. What people now, I think. Are they making these tuberculosis sick people care for cattle? Is that what I think if the patients were well enough, hopefully they would do it like on their way out. Interesting. You know what I mean? I'd be like, I want to get paid. <laughs> Thank you for saying here. Feed this cow. <laughs> Thank you for staying at Tranquil Centurion. Please feed this cow and you will be, you know, taken to the the exit doors. I don't know. Hope you enjoyed your stay. (laughs) Hope you enjoyed your stay. Instead of passing through the gift shop, you pass through the the cattle. (laughs) (laughs) There's just like a little farmhouse. It's like, is this where we get our gifts? Like, do you think they have t-shirt? Why the fuck is there a pig? Why the Oh, they want us. Okay. Okay. It's one of those. You get meat to go. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> if you want bacon, you need to do it yourself. <laughs> we're too busy. So on the property, there were homes for staff, a schoolhouse for children of the said staff, 
a gym, a laundromat, a steam plant, and more. So this is, like, real self-sufficient. Like, this is independence on its own. Which is kind of cool in a sense, because they literally created this whole community around this hospital. Um, I don't know of many other places that do this or have done this, but I just I thought it was kind of cool. I would say if the hospital wasn't, like, the circle of it, like, what they, like, built around, everything else that they, like, created sounds like a cult. True. I didn't even think about it that way. Mm-hmm. Culty, wow. culty, culty. Shimmer of darkness, Christy. <laughs> culty, culty. Uh, a reported half of patients that were admitted to the sanatorium paid to be there. At the time of opening, it would cost $55 a month, so around $1,523.55 in today's money, with an average stay of six and a half months. And you have to feed the cows? Good lord. And- what yeah. the fuck? I know, like you're paying. People even poor. They're just gonna die there. Well, that's the thing. Like you go and you're <laughs> sick as a dog, and you're like, "Hey, I need help. I've got consumption." And they're like, "Well, that's nice." Here's my life savings. <laughs> yeah. Where Where the money at? They start playing like Rihanna's "Bitch Better Have My Money." Like you can come here, but like, "Bitch Better Have My Money." <laughs> I'd probably just die at that point and be like, ah, tuberculosis, (laughs) take me, I can't afford this shit. I got bills to pay. How can I do both? Which sounds eerily similar to our economy now. Ooh, yikes, Americans. Ooh, sound familiar? Yeah. I'd be like, oh, just hit me with your car. I don't care. I want bills to pay. (laughs) Run me over. Yeah, you just stand outside in the middle of the street and hope a buggy hits you. No, no, come that was literally me all the time in London. I'd be walking to class and I'd be like, I hope this bus, like the school bus hits me. I, just, I wish the city bus would hit me so I could sue them. <laughs> On the fan show grounds all the time, I was like, oh, please, just please, real quick. It'd be fine. Yeah. It's <laughs> fine. It's fine. No, I, I did that all the time when I was in university. I was like, you know what? I wouldn't be mad if I had a broken leg and was able to, you know, miss work for a couple weeks. I wouldn't be sad at all. Anyways, so older buildings on the property were replaced over the years and construction appeared to grow as part of the numbers of patients were growing as well. So of like I think I think they were good in the sense of they knew they, they recognized that the need was there and they tried to adapt to help that need. I don't know how quick, like I don't have the timeline of like how quick they were on renovations, but I'm assuming they were pretty on the ball. Um, which is good. I mean, I think a lot of places even now, you know, they're like the hospital of the town I live in right now, the freaking ceiling panels are like brown with like water stains and shit. And it's like, all right, problems, (laughs) Darren problems. So you you can't, you can't fix the ceilings. You're not going to do that. I mean, I'm just saying the aesthetic here is kind of (laughs) depressing. So in total, there would be 40 buildings that stretch across Tranquil, four of those being part of the hospital. Supposedly, those who would pass away at the sanatorium were transferred from one building to another via tunnels, underground tunnels, which I am already geeked out for in the sense of love me some un- yeah, love me some underground tunnels, like whew, the creepiness of it all. 
Anyways, I love how you guys are so into that. Yeah. No, I'm so not into that <laughs> at all. Like, underground tunnels sounds like the worst possible option. I hate that. I hate everything about that. No. Celine's just like, where is that button that says fuck no? <laughs> no, I'm pressing it. I hate, I hate that so much. I wouldn't do it myself. There always going to be a buddy system with me and Alex, but oh, I would do yeah, it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll no. meet you guys on the outside because that's fucking not happening. <laughs> no. So, along with apparently transferring bodies from one building to another, apparently laundry and supposedly maybe food delivery happened down there. So, I'm, I just imagine, like, some guy from Skip the Dishes is just taking a pizza to one building Then sees a dead body, and he's like, oh, cool. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, I guess Carl's not going to be ordering his usual next week. Like, just... I have such a morbid sense of humor, but as I was writing this out, I'm like, no, oh, it's too easy. It's too easy. Uh, Allegedly, the new owners of the property, which I'll talk a little bit more um, later, because obviously the building's still kicking around, um, made a discovery when they were exploring the tunnels. Essentially, the morgue, which I'm not sure if it was like near the tunnels or in the tunnels, I don't know specifically, but apparently... In the tunnels, there is a dining hall and a barber shop near where they keep the dead, which I'm like, I feel like that's a sanitation problem, which is... I feel like it's a weird spot for those. It's a really weird spot, you know? It's kind of like, who planned this one out? Like, how were they sick? Were they high? Were they drunk? Like, who planned this positioning out? It just doesn't... Doesn't sit Who's the architect that made this layout? Exactly. You know what vibes gives me? That gives me JDSS cafeteria vibes. Oh, it does. In the basement. Does though. Our high school was very. That building, like in retrospect, as an adult, I wish I would have done like the final walk tour before it would like went up on the market. Because honestly, that whoever designed that building was just like, you know what? Fuck it. We're gonna make. All these kids walk from the third floor all the way down to the basement to get their poutine every day. And, and can we talk about how there was no girls' bathroom on the main floor? No. No girls' bathroom on the main floor. So annoying to go upstairs every time. But wasn't there, like, three, no, two two bathrooms on, like, the third floor and the second floor, but none on the main floor and only, like, one in the basement? I don't was know. It was weird, whatever it was. It was definitely I don't know what weird. it was. But I know now that I'm pretty sure they're like, I heard a story last week, just going off topic. There's like drug squatters in this high school. I was literally just going to say that. I was there a drug bus? Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. See, and apparently it's well known that there's like a lot of drugs happening there. And well, the police just yeah. can't do anything. Who's, who's keeping an eye on this? <laughs> well, to be fair, I think a lot of drugs were happening before it, like, before it, you know, went on the market and was no longer a high school. There's a lot of drugs everywhere in Hanover. We'll just leave it at that. We'll just leave it at that. But I will say I did see, oh, God, someone sent me or someone told me about a TikTok where it was a guy that was going around like JD and they were taking videos being like, oh, this is my new place. Just bought it. Yada, yada. And I was like, what? I need to see this TikTok. I know. I can. It's definitely one of the drug squatters. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised at, at all. Um. So back to the sanatorium, 
When a TB treatment was introduced in the late 1940s, things at the hospital slowed down until it closed finally in 1958. During its time, the TB sanatorium saw approximately 1,600 deaths. Most of these deaths were apparently children, which is just Oh, that's so sad. After the... I know. After the hospital closed, the province of BC used the remains of the property for those with mental and cognitive illnesses, which meant the buildings and grounds would be used once again. So, under the Department of Mental Health, Tranquil would become a place to house those in need from overcrowded facilities such as Riverview Essendale, which is in, and I'm going to butcher this one, Coquitlam? Coquitlam? in bc um and then in in the woodlands sanatorium which is a new westminster in july of 1959 and fun fact that's when my mom was born not in bc so weird fun fact of the episode <laughs> slash slash if, if she ever listens to this she'd be like why and i didn't mention she'd be like why didn't you mention that i was born then so you're welcome mom there you go there you go But even though the doors were reopened and it was kind of like a new opportunity for, you know, treatment to happen, things weren't honky-dory at all. Um, It's been documented that Tranquil tried to be a cut above other facilities, but with overpopulation, funding cuts and whatnot, not even the reported good food and care would last long. Some believe that patients weren't being treated with dignity and respect, which I think for those who have obviously heard of other haunted reported or reported hauntings of like sanatoriums or asylums or hospitals, that's kind of the vibe. <laughs> kind of just like classic care. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like mental health care. And even I'm going to go as far as saying like physical health care, care in general from one human to another back then was just not, not good. It just was not great. And that's where we get a lot of our hauntings from. So thanks, previous shitheads, for doing that, I guess. So, uh, for example, of some of this kind of bullshit that these patients had to go through, some reports were made that patients weren't allowed to open their own mail and they were often would work um, around the property for no pay. So the farm and the gardens and what have you were still kept and patients were expected to work with either no or little pay. And I remember seeing somewhere where privacy was also an issue. Like, I mean, privacy has grown from, you know, the fifties to now in terms of disclosure of like mental health or physical health. I think back then they were a little bit more loosey goosey, so to speak as to, Oh, Hey, yeah. Jim, Bob, your neighbor is, uh, he's, he had recently diagnosed schizophrenia. He's at tranquil now. And yeah, these are all of his medications. This is what, you know, his, he's dealing with, like they were very not great about privacy, which there was no HIPAA apparently back then. (laughs) No HIPAA. Exactly. So The facility was set to close again due to the country's shift in the view of sanatoriums and asylums. However, this time there was a protest of the closure as opposed to the first time. This is where things get really, like, weird but sad and interesting. So hold on to your horses here because it it, it gets really interesting. So um, the protest began on July 19th, 1983, where an alleged 40 or more union workers occupied the buildings on the property for three weeks, refusing to leave. My speculation as to why they protested was because 
as mentioned earlier, Tranquil kind of became this like small incorporated town on its own where it was a very tight knit, I'm going to assume tight knit community. They were very self-reliant. They, you know, they did what they had to do and they were doing it well. And essentially the government's like, okay, but we're going to shut this place down because we don't want to be associated with sanatoriums or asylums anymore. And you like, this was, this was, this was everybody's life. Like this hospital was the starting place for a lot of people's careers, families, friendships, you know, yeah, thing, shitty things were happening on the inside of the building, but on the outside of the building, there's a lot of life happening, right? So they were pretty, pretty pissed off about that. My bet so. And it doesn't really help that um, in an essay written by Deanne Purvey, less than 20, 20 of the Tranquil staff got to maintain employment within the government in Kamloops while over 100 were transferred to other facilities such as Woodlands or Glendale, which I kind of mentioned before, but uh, they weren't really the greatest places to work or reside at. So you can imagine that people weren't super stoked about that. Mm-mm. And it was, the Tranquil Sandtorn was the third largest employer during that time. In the, I think in the area, I could be wrong. I don't want to say province because I feel like that's not right, but it was a huge like I said, a huge part of people's lives. So apparently there were approximately 55 patients who were deemed as not able to return to, you know, they weren't able to be released from society, so to speak. So the patients were moved to Glendale Lodge, which families were not super happy about because as mentioned, Glendale kind of had a reputation of not being a super great place to be or work or be around. Um, it didn't help that these families were essentially left in the dark about their loved ones and they weren't really sure as to what was going to happen until the final hour. So I I don't know exactly when they got notified, but it was pretty late in the game. Like the government had kind of made their decision and then they told the staff and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, by the way, (laughs) yeah, like your son, daughter slash loved one is going to be transferred to a whole different place. And were these close to where they originally were? Probably not super close, right? No, not really. So they could be going like an hour away and instead of like 15 minutes down the road or whatever, and then you can't visit them. You don't even know where they're going. Like if I had a loved one that was going through that, I'd be, that'd be stressful for everyone involved. Well, right. And not only that, too, but a lot of families moved to the area and like restarted their life once their loved one was you know, in Tranquil, right? So they had uprooted their life and, you know, were, were really hoping that this was kind of it for the family or, you know, for the couple or what have you. And then to find out that, oh, hey, by the way, um, yeah, we're going to shut everything down. It's like, holy, it's, it, it, it's just really disrespectful. It's just really disrespectful. That's all I have to say. <laughs> so It's just rude. It's just rude. So Tranquil closed down eventually in 1983, but it was then reopened to be used as a detention center for young offenders until the 1990s. But I only saw this once in like a little small sentence and I tried so hard to look into it more and the information is just non-existent. So I don't know how reliable that information is. Who knows? Um, I mean, obviously it had the space for a youth detention center, but like... 
there's just no documentation. So um, in September of 1991, an Italian developer named Giovanni Camprosi, 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 I'm going with Camprosi, bought the, land, <laughs> bought the land to try and make it into a resort. Uh, there were plans for the demolition of the original building, buildings on the site, but governmental, governmental uh, interferences and his own like private matters were kind of preventing it. Um, he eventually sold the property, but before he sold it, he kind of went around and did all these like murals on the buildings, which are still there to this day, which is kind of cool. Um, so I don't think he was a bad guy. I think he just kind of came into it. He had all these hopes and dreams. He wasn't able to fill them. So he wanted to kind of leave like a more of a positive artistic mark on it, which is, which is nice. I mean, not gonna lie. That's kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, no resort. No, no resort. So the location now, uh, it's known as Tranquil Farm Fresh, and it's under new ownership. I don't have the owner's names, which you can Google it or go there yourself and figure it out. Uh, The Tranquil Farm Fresh, from what I can see online, offers escape rooms, heritage tours, a weekend farmer's market, and sometimes even ghost hunts. However, I'm not sure how these are being affected by COVID-19, so... You know, it sounds like be, it offers a lot to fight. It offers quite a bit. Like it off, it's jam packed. Like a farmer's market sold. Ghost How hunting would a like a escape room be in a haunted place? Like that sounds again like a fuck no button moment for me. I would not want to do a haunted escape room. That sounds horrible. I'm I sure would love that, but I would hate that. Yeah, I was gonna say I I'd like it, but it would depend on like the history. I feel like in this place it's. Eh, you know what I mean? Like and there's children so wandering around. That sounds so horrible. Yeah, no. Uh, the small community of Tranquil has been considered somewhat of a ghost town, but I think they're trying to kickstart, uh, you know, kind of get things back and going after the closure of the Tranquil Sanatorium. So now on to my favorite part, which is the hauntings. People have reportedly heard voices and seen shadow figures near and in the tunnel entrance. Um, Creepy, because, you know, dead bodies used to be there. And also, you never know, like, if you're just going down there, if it's completely dark, your eyes will play tricks on you, right? So is it that, or is it a spirit? We don't know. One can speculate wildly. Hate that. Hate it. All of it. Just a big old... Take a tour. (laughs) (laughs) I've actually signed the three of us up. (laughs) We're going next week. I hope you don't mind. (laughs) Could you imagine? I'm going to be dead that day. Sorry. (laughs) Gotta go. We're going to die TV that day. It's fine. (laughs) I actually have plans to not be alive. So sorry. Can't make it. Anything else but that. Catch you later (laughs) on the other side. (laughs) Catch you on the other side. One previous worker of the location, when it was the mental health facility, claimed that staff regularly would hear screams in empty wards and what sound to be people moving around in beds, which those who do visit the grounds today have also reported hearing this, which that that's unsettling. Like screams in empty wards is what it is. But the beds moving like as if someone's like crawling into bed and then getting comfy. I don't the bed to get you, not the screams. The screams, honestly, it could be an owl. It could be a million different things. <laughs> it could be an owl. It could be an owl. It could be 
this high pitched woman screaming for her life, and it's like, woohoo! <laughs> I'm. <laughs> I like, you that. can hear my eyes rolling at that comment right I now. Know. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> Fuck no. So um, some claim to see a nurse wandering the grounds, which may be local lore or potentially some true crime. Because apparently there is some lore or what have you. There's a story that goes around that there was a nurse who was working when it was a mental health facility who got into a tussle with a client or a patient. Sorry. Um, Don't know what happened, but the nurse died. She was murdered. So that's not great. Apparently she wanders the the grounds now and just isn't happy, but that's kind of all I know about her. Yeah, she pissed. She's like, I had two weeks of vacation and I was planning on going away. And then this happened. Like, what the fuck? It couldn't have waited any, like, I just wanted to go away. Of course not. No, of course not. No, no. So, um, on the History Goes Bump at Night podcast, they noted they found records that there was a cemetery potentially on the property. However, it was later relocated to Kamloops. Um, back in the day, people who died or uh, who died poor or unclaimed, so to speak, um, were buried in mass unmarked graves. So similar to what we saw in Penetanguishene in kind of behind what is now Waypoint, there's like this huge, so it's called Asylum Cemetery Point. What is it called again? Not accessible is what it is. Well, yeah. So we, we, we went there and we looked it up. We're like, okay, let's go check out the cemetery. And literally like you're, it's like, you're not allowed. Like if you go on it, you're trespassing, but it's literally just this huge stone that essentially like kind of gives a little bit of a memorial to approximately 300 patients who died way back when oh my goodness it's just like land of grass basically literally so i'm assuming that's what probably this was or is and it does like the the history goes bump at night podcast did say it was moved many people were moved how many people were actually dug back up moved to kamloops and not missed and not missed or without were actually buried properly properly again right mm-hmm. that sounds like it would be not only costly but a lot of work to to move all those people especially in the 50s I feel like people didn't have like an abundance of money to be doing that kind of stuff well know? exactly and even when it like it finally closed down do you want like in the 80s I do you honestly think people would have done it even then no like it just seems like it would have been a lot of work and back then the mentality of people who were you know not wealthy or people who had a mental health disorder or people who were physically disabled or cognitively disabled they weren't looked at as highly so do you like oh, I'm trying not to get like political about it but honestly I don't think they probably were respected even after they were gone so in my mind I can imagine that there's probably some people still there like, I and the longer surprised. the longer they were gone, probably the less the, the people cared. Like if these people died in exactly. however long, like in the 1800s or whatever, people in the 80s aren't. They're gonna be like, oh, whatever. They're just bones. Like don't care. Which well, is sad. Yeah, they're like they're just left there 100% probably. Yeah, and a lot of these people also weren't quote unquote claimed, which also just I know I had it in my notes, but it just sounds gross. But 
a lot of pe- a lot of these people didn't have family members or friends or anyone that would that kind of came up and said no no like they want to be buried in their homeland or in their hometown or what have you so they're just buried there I can imagine yeah I can imagine the documentation was also pretty shit because let's be real of any like historical thing back at a certain point documentation is just super spotty so yeah, they could have made, like, a fake name, and they could have been a John Jane Doe or whatever. Who knows? Exactly, exactly. So there have also been claims that there are apparitions and shadow figures that can be seen walking past windows. I don't think, like, this one I think could maybe be debunked if the new owners live there, but I don't think they do. So I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Yeah. In one of the several wings, uh, the B wing to be specific, where the children were known to stay and, you know, that's where they got their treatment. uh, People have reportedly heard kids crying, see a woman wandering, looking for her lost child before she instantly vanishes. There's just like this eerie feeling that there's someone watching you and just like just not a good, obviously not a good feeling, um, but just this feeling that, like, you're not alone. Like, you could be in a room by yourself for, like, a couple minutes, and you feel like someone's staring at you. Like, dead well, ass. first of all, it's a children's area, so that just already, like, equals bad hauntings, because kids that hauntings are not good. <laughs> exactly. As we've said it once, we've said it many times, anytime there's a child involved, it's just not good. Just not. <laughs> <laughs> you made that equation on your own. But, like, it's, a, it's, it's still an accurate equation. It's a good equation. <laughs> it's a good equation. Uh, supposedly, in the basement, there is a report spirit of an electrician who died working there. But I don't know the name. I don't know what happened. I don't, I just, I, there's no more information. Like, that's all I have is that apparently an electrician died there. That feels random to me. <laughs> like, Super random. So random, like it. it's shocking. <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta go. Oh. <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> and call now. Oh my god. No, 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 no. Sorry, I had to. Like, it was so, it was like just low hanging fruit. Anyways, to wrap it up, overall, people have reportedly felt an, over, an overwhelming feeling of sadness while walking on the grounds, which, like, no shit. Who walks into an old hospital and is like, oh, yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Like, oh, great. You know, I mean, now, obviously, it has some more positive attachments to it, such as, you know, the weekend farmer's market, what have you. But, like, if you're going there and you know the history and you know what you're walking into, you're (laughs) I would have some questions if you walked on. You're, you know, the most happiest person alive. Right. Like, that's concerning. I'm like, ooh, this farmer's market. And I'm like, and I know there's lots of dead bodies around. It's fine. Over here is the farmer's market. There is the supposed gift shop, although there's a lot of cows there. I think it's kind of one of those things where you kind of have to work your way to get the T-shirt at the end of the tour. I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) And that is Tranquil Sanatorium. I I want to go there so bad, but I also, like, don't. But I do, but I don't. I do. Um, I want to go into the tunnels. That's fine. I want to go into the tunnels. No. 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 <laughs> that should not even be a thing. I hate, I hate the tunnels the most. <laughs> um, quick shout out to my resources. So the Infotel article, The Deep, Dark, and Mysterious History of Twin Quill Sanatorium by Jenna Wheeler. 
uh, in 2013 dollars website because I I I used it. <laughs> Wikipedia history of Tranquil blog by Jordan Keats. Small cities big issues article uh, by Di- Diane Purvey. Um, History Goes Bump in the Night podcast, episode 41, Tranquil Sanatorium and Haunted Canada for More True Tales of Terror by Joel A. Sutherland. Um, And just before, you know, hopefully before I don't forget, we do have two promos for the episode, one being the Paranormal Burrito, um, who is currently Mm. selling $2 postcards where all proceeds go to the Brain and Behavioral Research Foundation. The agency is based out of New York. Uh, either way, it's still whether you're in New York or not, you should definitely Vimo Caleb at TPB Pod. Make sure to include your name and mailing address, and you can get a free postcard. I mean, I fucking love getting postcards. I love getting any mail. So, right? So that's my case. That's all I got to say for a little bit. Christy, hit these fine people with where they can find us, and then Celine, you can tell our fine people and your fine people where they can find you. Yeah, so our fine folks here listening, hopefully you're still listening, um, you can go over and find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Feel free to give us a review. We would love anything. Some five stars would be great. Five stars. Um, also, what's that? I said five stars would be stellar. Oh, of course. And then uh, on top of those three, just any other um, modalities or whatever you listen to a podcast on, you can find us on Most Likely. You can feel free to email us any suggestions, any topics, anything in general to weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com. You can tweet at us on Twitter at weirddistractI1, and you can hit us up on our Insta page at weirddistractionspod. Stellar. Just stellar. Sling, can you tell our fine listeners where they can where they can find you and where they can listen to you and all that great great stuff before i do so i'm not a shitty human i didn't even mention my resources uh wikipedia and the canadian encyclopedia also (laughs) my fat dog decided to eat so if you can hear her chewing apologies but uh yes so instagram twitter um at not always polite you can email me not always polite at outlook.com I don't think anyone's ever emailed me, so, you know, it's new. Um, I'm on all the platforms, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Leave me a review, too, because I've had, like, two of those, so reviews would be sweet. Um, What else? Yeah, everything's not always polite, so, you know, just give me a search, and that's where you can find me. Awesome, and thank you so much for joining us this evening and listening to us blabble on and getting a little distracted and providing us a distraction. I fucking love your stories. So thank you for having me. This was so fun. And And we we definitely had some weird distractions along the way. So that's very fitting. A thousand percent. And hopefully we'll do another crossover crossover episode soon. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) And once again, thank you so much for listening. And if you need a distraction, we got you. Bye. Bye. Bye.